Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today on the podcast, I've got my three amigos. Guys, you want to say who you are? How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate. Kevin Knorr. And this is Rob Spekstra. There we go. We're here. We're in the office. And we're talking about um, a recent sermon that I've had uh, that I gave. Just kind of the state of the church. We call it a year in review. I offer just a little bit of uh, a vision for the new year. I kind of specifically felt the Lord leading me towards just the, the word building or build to build, that this, this is going to be a building year. Um, we're going to be working through Ezra and Nehemiah. Both of those books of the Bible are about building, building the house of God, and then where he is a scribe. So Ezra is a religious scribe, so it's, he's building the religion there, the, the, the house of God and the altar of God, right, worship. And then um, Nehemiah is like the mayor, basically. Uh, and he is building, building, he's building the, the, uh, the wall around the city and rebuilding parts of the city. And so we really were talking about building a worshiping community and then building society, build, building the civic community. And so uh, I feel like the Lord is calling us to, to do something similar there, to, to build the body of believers, build up the body of believers through um, teaching and preaching of the word of God, mm-hmm. coming to understand the word of God, ha- having a, a more thorough Christian worldview in all of life um, and how it affects everything. Yeah. And then also we're praying that God would uh, provide us with a new building mm-hmm. uh, this year or at least get us moving in the right direction of um, giving us some clarity on finding a, a more uh, permanent home for us. We've mm-hmm. uh, operated out of a city-owned building for the last decade where we have to uh, set up and tear down. It's got a, it's an old older building. It's been renovated. It's beautiful now, but it's got a very small foyer. We've got kids' spaces and and cottages next door and two different cottages and we're kind of spread all over the place. We've got parking all over the place. It's not that convenient. Yeah. And we ha- we share it with the theater. So that means we we can't really, I mean, everything has to be set up and tear down. We can't leave stuff up. Our band has to set up and tear down every week. We can't do a lot of design stuff that we'd like to do. And lot, we're always in difficult situations when it comes to Easter and Good Friday and Ash Wednesday and wanting to do any other meetings during the week. And so mm-hmm. uh, we just, and with the, the way our society is changing, you never know when a city, a civil authority is going to say you can't meet. Um, whether they say you have to have a vaccine to meet, whether they have to say you can't say those words if you want to meet in our building. So they could literally kick us out anytime. Mm. And so we want to have uh, the freedom to have our own building and have our own home base for ministry for the next 10, 20, 30 years yeah. to, to work out of. And so that's what we're asking the Lord to do, that 2022 would be a year of building, and the Lord would prepare, give us a vision for what that looks like, both personally and corporately as a church, and then he would provide everything we need mm. to make that happen yep. financially and um, teachers, preachers, leaders, all the things that are needed to do that. And, uh, and that we would be obedient to that calling. Um, I'm getting to preach Ezra 1 this Sunday. And fascinating text where God 
stirs, he provokes the spirit of a Persian pagan king, Cyrus, to once he's kicked out the Babylonians and taken over, all right, send send some people back to rebuild the temple. Mm -hmm. And Cyrus is like, all right, I'll do that. And it was prophesied 200 years before that by Isaiah that Cyrus was going to be the one that does that. And then when Cyrus declares the edict, all right, you guys can go back and build, then the spirit stirs the hearts of some patriarchs, basically the men over the houses of Israel. And I've just been sitting in that and thinking about God stirring the heart of Cyrus, God stirring the heart of these men. Hmm. That's what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do in our church. stir the heart of men and women and then to provoke them to do some hard work because one of the thoughts that I've been having is you've been in Babylon for 50, 60 years you know the temple's destroyed you know the you know Jerusalem's destroyed now you're going back to rebuild the temple you're not going back to any cushy job. You're not going back to a worshiping community. Mm. The only thing in front of you is uncertainty and work. Mm. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of work. And, um, I mean, that's a mission. That's yeah. a mission laid before men that required their hearts to be stirred by God, and then they, they got after it. And I think men need a mission, and I think that's what God's called us to do. He's called yeah. us to build a worshiping community. Mm. And it's, it's, it's not easy. It's going to require a whole lot of work. It's going to, you know, he's called us to, you know, to find a building or build a building, whatever we have to do. That's going to require a lot of work. So <clears throat> that's just some things that, that I've been thinking about. Yeah. And some directions that I feel uh, the Lord is um, possibly taking us in. Yeah. So what does that uh, look like uh, to kind of build personally? in your own heart, in your own soul, with your relationship with God to be a part of this mission? Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that it it means is being, understanding, understanding the story, first first off, that this is God's story, and my life only has meaning as I live in line with his story, yeah. right? So for me to be a builder isn't to build a great business, build a big family, build a lot of wealth for my own glory, mm-hmm. but it's to build for his glory. It's, right? So it's yeah. to understand my purpose as, as a man. Yeah. And how do I understand my purpose as a man? Scriptures. Scripture. Yeah. So it's got to start there. Right? So 2022, if I want to build anything of substance, anything of value, anything of eternal worth, it's got to be built on the Word of God. Yeah. So that means we need to read our Bibles. Yeah. Minimally, that means we need to read our Bibles. Yeah. Right? And we need to be committed to being men and women of the Word. And... Um, and so 
2021, we put out a lot of podcasts. I think we put out 97 podcasts. Um, and I think we're going to, I mean, I'm hoping we're going to, we're, we're going to put out more than that this year, but we're on a schedule of just doing two a week, every okay. single week. And we've gotten a pretty good rhythm of, of doing this. Um, one of the ways to, un- I mean, so in order to understand what I'm supposed to build, I got, I need a blueprint. Okay. Yeah. Right. And scripture gives me that blueprint for what my, my personal life looks like, my soul, my relationship with God looks like my family, my marriage, my kids, mm-hmm. right? My calling from God. Yeah. What you're, if you're, if you're an accountant, you know, what is, what does that look like? How does the gospel inform the way that you do accounting? Yeah. yeah. The way that you run a business, the yeah. way that you treat your employees, you know, those are the, those are the things that we want to cover. Well, those are some of the topics that we want to, we want to cover. We want to help people work out the the implications of the gospel. Yeah. And I mentioned 2020 created a lot of problems for a lot of churches. A lot of churches have never recovered from it um, because, specifically in our church, I'll just say that we were gospel centered and we were preaching the gospel week in and week out. Mm. But I don't think we were doing a very good job of working the implications of the gospel out in very specific things. Things like politics, things like government, things like law, things like um, civil disobedience and what jurisdictional authority does the, does uh, the the state have over you or your children or your body and all of these different things. And then when 2020 happened, all of those, we needed to understand all of those things from a gospel-centered perspective, and only a few of us did. And therefore, missional community leaders didn't know how, couldn't hold it together. They just couldn't hold, you know, uh, this is a, this is a, 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 you know, exaggeration, but you've got a QAnon guy in your missional community, and you've got a, uh, Antifa person in your missional community, right? And they just, they couldn't hold the center. They couldn't they couldn't hold that together because they couldn't they didn't know how to work out the gospel in such a way to show them both where they're wrong and like and yeah. the gospel is a different perspective, yeah. right? And you and we're going to settle on this perspective right yeah. here. And so one of the one of our goals this year is to work out some of those those implications. Yeah. So where does somebody go? I, you know, as I'm listening to you and I'm kind of reflecting on my own life and even reflecting on that 2020, which was really an exposure of my own shortcomings. Uh, where do you, where do we go? Where, you know, you can sell, say somebody, Oh, go to the Bible and read the Bible, you know, and that, and obviously that's what we do want. But, uh, a lot of these things are implications out of the the word of, word of God. Um, so where do we go? What's what's your recommendation if you're if kind of we're wrestling with maybe an issue right now in our in our life that's that's not obviously directly um, you know st- you know addressed within the word of God? What would you say is the the recommendation you'd have for for an individual? Yeah. Well, first thing I would say, we have to start from the proper foundation. And I, I would say the proper foundation is God's word addresses everything. Yeah. Like just to, the baseline, 
I might not know it. Yeah. It, it might be a principle or something like that, but I have to assume, I mean, this, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, yeah. right? So I have to assume this, this, the scriptures are sufficient. Yeah. I have to assume if I need to know it, it's there, yeah. okay? And then with that, that means when I'm, when if, okay, I have this issue with economics. I'm just throwing something out there. Yeah. I have this issue with, ec- what's right? Socialism, you know, all, all these different, I'm, capitalism, I'm, I'm my first instinct should not be to go and read some secular economic professor's advice. That should not be my first instinct. And even if, let's just say by chance, I am, I have a PhD in economics and I, and I, and I'm a, I'm a Christian. I should not assume that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to biblical economics because you weren't, you, you're not a theologian. You, you haven't gone to scripture first, right? You, you went to the world first and you might know a lot about a lot of different systems and you might know which ones work better and such, but you're not going to know what's God's view of economics, right? You've got to go to the scripture. So first one, first, I assume anything I need to know, it's in the scriptures. I've got to go there to find it. Second thing I need to do is actually either like either one, go to the scriptures. Well, I would say yes, go to the scriptures second. Mm-hmm. And third, if it's not, if I'm like, well, I don't like economics is probably yeah. You really, don't you don't find the word socialism in in right in in the scriptures in the scriptures. So and and economics is there. You're gonna have it's gonna be like bits and pieces. All, you're gonna hurt right. It's all over. All, so what am I gonna do? Well, the next thing I would do is I would contact my elders. Mm-hmm. The elders are the men that God has placed in your life that are called by God to search the scriptures and, and they should know the scriptures better than anyone else in your, in your church. And, and they can either point you in the right direction as far as principles. They can have a meeting, they can talk to you about that, or they can recommend a book. They can recommend another, you know, a scholar, another pastor, another whatever that can... Uh, help you work out those implications. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You know. Yeah. And you know we need we need to do this. And and as our church grows, we're going to start teaching on more of these topics. Yeah. Uh, my goal is to have some the big picture. Um, I'm just going to say the big picture political topics to have covered all of those. Before the next election, <laughs> so at least we're all on, we're on the same page as far as this is what Scripture teaches when it comes to these things, yeah. and um, and and so our missional communities can hold the center. Now it doesn't mean that everybody's going to believe that or everybody's going to vote that way, but we can say this is what we believe and this is what Scripture clearly teaches. And if you disagree with that, okay, you can disagree with that, but. You know, you're, 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 but don't teach it here. Don't teach it in a missional community or don't, we're not going to, we're not going to bring it up. Right. Like, um, cause there's people that have, you, you know, different, different beliefs. Right. But we don't want to cause division in our missional communities. Yeah. But, and a lot of it is just people don't know. And so they're kind of in a missional community, given equal playing time to perspectives that aren't equal in their biblical substance and they don't, they just don't know it. Yeah. So we want to hopefully help our people 
figure some of those things out. And I appreciate what you said there at the very beginning, and that is that when you hear this, you know, we we thought we speak about scripture being all sufficient, but I think our first, at least, you know, maybe it's just me, but I, I think within our maybe our evangelical culture, we tend to think, oh, you're talking about spiritual things. Mm. Scripture is all sufficient for spiritual things, but but we don't think of it in terms of how it actually no it speaks to all things i mean when it says all things it means all things Mm -hmm. and so i think it's a good point i mean you you would think that that's an obvious but it's not obvious because i think we do we we create this division we say oh well god god gave us everything we need for our spiritual life but you know my work life and you know my political life and all those other aspects of our life we don't think that is that god's thinking about those things and yeah he is Yeah. yeah we believe those things are neutral somehow right right and they're absolutely not absolutely not yeah and the great, greatest societies that have ever been created on this earth didn't think they were neutral either. They, yep. they, they, they argued, you know, the, you know, case law and all this stuff. They argued like this, we should build our society, the West, we should build it on scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We believe God has, a, has something to say about the way we set up a government, you know, and um, the way we do economics and the way that we the way our social policy affects families. Um, and that they, they had no problem arguing from Scripture mm-hmm. and bringing Scripture into their their real life, you know, mm-hmm. their, their political life, their yeah. business life, all these different things. And uh, I think we need, we need to learn how to do that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to have to learn how to argue from first principles so you get down to so there's a you know people get really upset when um when you talk about public education and you talk about private education and you talk about christian education and and people get really bent out of shape and, and frustrated about it and because they they say well there's no bible verse that says you can't send your kid to public school which it's, you know, that's using the scripture inappropriately because it's not arguing from first principles. If you go to first principles and you, you realize who is responsible for the education of your child. I'm answering, asking you guys. Families, parents specifically. Yeah. Parents. Set, set up Genesis Parents are responsible for the discipleship, and education, and rearing of their child. Yeah. Government's not. Um, you know, there's the individual sphere of authority, right? Our personal responsibility, and then there's the family sphere of authority. It's the second, second sphere. Then there's the religious sphere, church, and then there's the state. <clears throat> so, parents are responsible for raising kids. We, we know that, educating kids. And you see all the way through scripture, parents held responsible for, for their kids. Deuteronomy 6 and several different times in Deuteronomy, when God gives the law to Moses, he tells him what to do. He's telling parents, I'm gonna paraphrase Deuteronomy 6. Parents, provide a Christian education for your children. And by education, I don't just mean schooling. Yeah. I mean, educate them, train them, 
with a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's the first principle. Then you go, once you realize that's the first principle, then you start looking through scripture and you're like, oh my goodness, this is everywhere. Yeah. This is everywhere. And then you see people that don't do it, like, uh, who, who was the wicked priest with the two sons? Oh, Eli. Eli. Yeah. Eli, you know, mm. get judged, they're, they're judged and, and, uh, then you see like this, you know, a guy who abdicates his responsibility, mm. this is what happens and God, and God judges him. Mm. Um, and then you go to Proverbs and the book of Proverbs is literally like <laughs> Christian school. <laughs> like Proverbs is a father writing to his son mm. and, it, and it's, this is the foundation for a Christian education. He's teaching him wisdom. And what you learn about wisdom gives you kind of a little bit of a philosophy of education. Wisdom isn't, Proverbs isn't teaching, he, he, he's not talking about facts. He's not talking about, you know, the weight of the sun, or he's not talking about two plus two. He's, like, he's not worried about those things because those things are kind of the easy things. He's learning about the, the development of wisdom, the ability to understand the way the world works and operate in line with the grain of the universe. So he's talking about the way of a woman and he's talking about, you know, ignore the adulterous woman. He's talking about grasshoppers and look at the grasshoppers and look at the ants Mm and, and he's want, and you got to be a hard worker and, you know, laziness is going to jump on you like a bandit and beat you up if you let it. And he's, he's, he's teaching his, his, his son from a biblical, biblical worldview. And it's not just facts about the covenant. It's not just facts about Moses and all this stuff. It's teaching him wisdom, yeah. right? To the ability to live wisely in the world with the broad range of understanding. Yeah. Not, which is what most of our education is, a very narrow, specialized field of knowledge where I become an expert in I'm just going to say it, epidemiology, but I don't know anything about economics. Or I don't know anything about religion. I don't know anything about, you know, civic, yeah. you know, whatever, all these ever, uh, these different things. And then when you follow this trajectory and you get into um, the way Jesus was raised and you see Jesus getting a, a strictly religious education, he knows the scriptures, he's yeah. arguing within the temple, um, right? He's raised correctly and then you see in Ephesians that we are to, to um, uh, train our children up in the in the discipline and training or discipline and admonition of the Lord and that yeah. discipline there is padeia a Greek word and it literally means education it's the full functioning education so once I understand all through the scriptures that it says parents you are responsible to provide your child with a Christian education Christian worldview. The next question then is, well, how do I work that out? That's the ideal. That's the goal. That's the calling. How do I work that out? So what we have to say, so when someone says, well, the Bible doesn't say that you have to send your kid to a Christian school. Well, wrong question or wrong statement. It says I must provide a Christian education for my child. The question I can ask you is, can you do that? Mm -hmm. At a, at a secular school. Can you do that at a public school? Mm. Now, I knew I know you could 20 years ago. I know you could 30 years ago. Um, but now, when they don't even know what gender is, yeah. and they don't know what marriage is, yeah. and they're teaching 
they're teaching immorality as if it was morality. And they're teaching false versions of history. They're, they're changing history right now uh, in a more socialistic fa- fashion. They're doing all these different things. Can you even provide your children with a Christian education right now? So do you think it's like the, a lot of the parents and you know people just, um, they're reading their Bibles, but the, the pride of asking for help is, is maybe the issue because it seems like there's a, we're gospel-centered, but it's just like you don't have a worldview. And you're, you're saying go to the Bible. A lot, a lot of people are probably reading their Bibles, but they don't know how to, you know, transition that from how they grew up to a gospel-centered worldview. And with that, you have to ask for help. So you guys' email should be blowing up for, you know, people to re- truly understand, like, to get in on what it looked like to have a gospel-centered worldview. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it does require humility to ask for help. And also, like, if, I've, if I was like, let's just say six years ago, I made the decision, you know, I thought I'm going to, my kids are going to be on mission at this school, or this school's not really that bad, and so I, I, don't, I, don't, I think I can supplement their education in such a way <clears throat> that I can still provide them with a Christian worldview. Well, to get six years into a, a public education and then all of a sudden go, oh, oh no. It takes humility to say, I think I maybe did this wrong. I think I may, maybe made a mistake. Yeah. And now I have to course correct, and now it's you know six years deep. But another thing, another point I'd bring up, something has happened. 2020, I, 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 think, we've, I think we've hit some kind of pivot point. Mm. There are key pivot points. You know, the 60s and the sexual revolution was a key pivot point. Um, t- typically, World War II, key p- pivot point. You know, yeah. there's major... 9-11 was a little bit of a pivot point. But I feel like something in 2020, we've hit more... We've hit a, a pivot point yeah. where I, I think... And if parents don't realize it, um, I mean, I, 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 I just think that they're not very informed if they don't realize things are radically different. Yeah. Everything has changed. Um, you know, and I know people are understanding like kind of like the woke movement and the LGBTQ plus movement and so the socialist movement right now or the, or the, you know, cultural Marxism movement that has, that has reached some kind of critical mass. It feels like, and, and there's been a, the culture has shifted underneath our feet in a radical way. Yeah, for sure. I just heard today in the last 10 years, the number of the number, the percentage of Christians in America has dropped by 10%. And 10% is a huge drop in 10 years. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a radical, that's a radical shift. And the, the nuns or the non-religious has basically quadrupled or something like that. So I, I think we need to recognize that you, you maybe came to a conclusion 10 years ago but every, I think some. I think things have changed. I think the culture's mm-hmm. changed. I think society's changed. Yeah. I think things have shifted, and you need to reevaluate it. And yeah, maybe you just never really studied it. You yeah. didn't really know uh, what you know what the secular system, public system, was about, and what the what the scriptures taught. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think I when I'm thinking about your question of why why we don't. Um, approach maybe the word of God on the, on these things. I know for myself, it's, it's just, it's hard work. And I have to say, I'm lazy. 
And mm-hmm. it's, it's intellectually lazy. I have to work hard to, uh, you know, I, I, to address these things. And so uh, part of it is, is just that. So you've got this shift that's going on. And then you, you know, combine my laziness and all of a sudden I'm finding myself way, way off, way out there. And I need to, you know, kind of get back. So I think some of it is just, it's hard to, it's, it's, it's easier just to sit still than it is to actually do the, to do the hard work and then to be asking for, for others to do the hard work with you kind of, kind of through that. I have a question for you in terms of, you talked about first principles and, you know, kind of in a broader view, let's say that, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the elders come to a conclusion, a particular conclusion on a particular issue, and I disagree with the, with, with the elders. How would you want me as a member to come to the elders? Uh, how could we work that out? Um, you know, we've come to a, dis- I've, I have a disagreement with you, uh, or excuse me, with the elders. Um, how do we, how do we work that out, do you think? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. First, again, first principles. <laughs> First principles, what is an elder for? An elder is for teaching and training and really fathering. Like that's why one of the requirements of an elder is that he's a father of his own household because mm. he's basically going to be the father of the church, the, the, mini house, the mini household of God. And so an elder's job is to search the scriptures and to <clears throat> teach righteousness and to rebuke false teaching um, and to keep heresy away like that and to, and to, to feed our feed the church so and then okay because we're uh watching over their souls right that's and what does scripture say for a church member well the first thing that we should say that that we teach we want to communicate and we want to convince you that we're right that's that's our goal right to convince you this is what scripture says and we want you as one of, Paul even said this, speaking of Titus, you know, my son in the faith, as one of our family members, as one of our children, we want you to say, to, to accept it and to, and to see it as good and to, and to submit to it. Mm-hmm. This is what scripture calls church members to do, <clears throat> is submit to your leaders because they're watching over your soul. We're going to be held accountable to God and you're to submit in a way that makes our job a joy. So you know what it's like when you tell your, when you teach your child something and they backtalk and they, they just make your, you have to prove it to them in just such a frustrating way that it's just makes being a parent not a joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul's like, don't do that as church members. So first principles, the elders are here to set the doctrine, to teach the Bible and submit, mit, sub, sub means under, mit means mission. You're coming under our mission. That's, that's what submit means. You're coming under our mission. And so when the elders set a doctrine or they set a position paper, that your first response should be to come under that. Now, hopefully we've convinced you in a way that, you know, you can see the good in it. But <clears throat> submission only really gets displayed when you don't agree with us, mm-hmm. okay? If we're in agreement and you're, and you're on board, right, you're not submitting to us, right? You're, you're basically submitting to yourself because you're in agreement. So I only have to submit to another when I'm in disagreement with them. So when, when wives are to submit to their husband, 
That typically plays out when they're in disagreement. He thinks he should take the gut job. She thinks she, he shouldn't take the job. Well, who has the final say? That's what we're talking about. Now, hopefully he's getting advice from his elders too, and she's getting advice from her elders. But submission works itself out when they're in disagreement, and the Bible tells us who the buck stops with. In yeah. home, the buck stops with the father. He makes the decision, and if it's wrong, he's got to live with that consequence, and mm-hmm. he has to take ownership of it, yeah. right? And in a church, the elder has the elders have to make that decision. Now, we're a plurality, so no one elder's doing it on their own, but the buck stops with, with the elders. Yeah. So submission is only needed when we're in disagreement, mm-hmm. all right? So that's, that's first principles. Now, let's say I've read the paper, either I don't understand it or I disagree with it, um, and, it's, and, I'm, and I'm really passionate about it. And I, I, think, this is, I think this is wrong. I think you, elder's position is absolutely wrong. Then you need to either, one, send an email and ask for further clarification. Like if you have, I think this is wrong because of dot, 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 or what do you think about dot, 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 that could be an email and that could be responded to and have, and you know, you, we could maybe continue to work, work that out and, and answer those questions or a meeting that you sit down and have, you have a meeting with the elders. Yeah. Um, but, and, and the elders are going to try to convince you or they're going to hear your objection. They want to hear your objections because if we haven't thought about things now, usually when the elders are putting things out, they've read a lot, they've prayed a lot, they've discussed a lot. They've been working on this for a long time. But let's just say you have a perspective they don't know. Okay, that can help us. We need to add to the paper. We need to correct some things, right? Um, but we're going to try to convince you. If we feel like we're right, we're going to try to convince you of, of our position. And there's basically going to, we're going to get to the end of it, and there's going to be three. Now, you could correct me, because but there could be three possible op- options. One, the elders convince you, and you're on board. You're, you, you've, you've, you're in. Two, the elders cannot convince you, but you are choosing out of first principles and the fact that you believe this isn't a, um, what we would call a closed-handed issue. It's not dealing with salvation, you know. Uh, it's, not the, it's, it's an implication of the gospel. It's not an aspect of the gospel itself. You're choosing to submit to the elders, coming under our mission, Agreeing to disagree and not to gossip about it, not to not to bring any disunity or, or disagreement in your missional community. You're not going to go, hey, I disagree with the elders on this and da 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 da. Um, you're, that's what submission looks like. It means being quiet about it. It means not provoking people and not stirring dissension. Um, that's what submission looks like. Um, so you got one, we convince you. Two, we don't convince you, but you choose to submit. Or three, you, you, you have to find another church. I mean, you can't be in a church and not be in submission to the elders. I mean, you would be literally disobeying God um, because your submission to the elders is, is ultimately submission to God because God has set this church up and God has set the elders in the place. And so rebellion against the elders would actually be rebellion against God. 
Yeah, and some of these issues are going to have some, as you uh, alluded to earlier, is going to have some passion or emotion to them. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's going to be a number of reasons why I may care about a particular issue, and I may have some history, <clears throat> my own personal history with this or, or something. Uh, when an, a member comes to you, what, what, do you want the, what do you want them to come with if they're in a disagreement? And so for, as an example, do you want me to just come with, I feel, I feel like this is wrong, uh, or I've heard about this, or, you know, what are we, what are we trying to uh, ultimately, as just, uh, let's just go down to the fact of us all being before God, uh, uh, members of his, his, uh, his body, members of the church, um, what are we to, in a sense, all of us are to submit to uh, when we're coming to these issues? Uh, what do I need to be bringing to the elders if I'm in disagreement? Um, yeah. What 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 what's what's helpful in this in this yeah. context? Yeah. So, and I think this I think this is you know, in and up to me, it's even being helpful just trying to articulate some of this stuff because just this idea of first principles, and first principle is what does Scripture say? That's the first principle. One of the most troubling turns the evangelical church has taken in the last decade has been to lead with, how does this make you feel? That is not biblical. What does the Bible say? That, that's what we lead with. What is, what is the truth? Not how did that statement make you feel? Um, imagine if you went and interviewed everyone that Jesus spoke to and after he spoke to him, you said, how did that make you feel? How did that make you feel? How did that make you feel? There's going to be many times the Pharisees told us, Jesus, that offended us. Like they, they said that, that you're, you're, you're hurt. You hurt us by what you just said. Um, and there's many, many different times. And, and now in our society right now, because of the, the chaos that is breeding everywhere. It's not a time. Oh man, this is, might get me in trouble here. It's not a time for nuance. It's not a time for being overly careful. It's not a time of kind of like him hawing around. It's a time where we need prophetic utterance. Hmm. When the pro prophets in the prophets of Old Testament, prophets of New Testament, John the Baptist, they didn't hem-haw around. They just said, Herod, what you're doing is wrong. You've got the wrong wife. Bah. And, they, you know, and they got their heads cut off, right? But they spoke boldly. And I'm thinking of like Martin Luther. Martin Luther, whoo, he, he said a lot of hard things. But God used him in a, that kind of cultural moment to provide clarity, black and white thinking, binary thinking, um, um, you know, it just, it just separates things, mm -hmm. right? And then Calvin came along later and Calvin was a lot more careful and Cal Calvin could work out things a lot more carefully. I think right now we're, we are, we're in a time where courage is needed. Mm. Courage and clarity is needed. And so, um, so first principle, we have to start with the word of God. Um, if you, have you searched the scriptures? Do you know what scripture says? Um, come with a humble attitude. Come and say, 
um, this, I've never heard this before, or, or this seems like new teaching, or this is taking me by su- surprise. I want to know what the Bible teaches. So show me how you, show me your work. Like if it's a math problem, show me your work. Show me what, what's going on behind the scenes. How did you come to this realization? How did the elders come to this? Come with that kind of attitude. That's a helpful attitude of a, of a church member who's not there just to fight and to argue and to get their way because the elders aren't trying to get their way. We're wanting to do good things God's way. Mm-hmm. And we're wanting to do things God's way because it's the best way and it's what we're called to do. And we want our church members to grow in their relationship with God. We want their children to grow in their relationship with God. And we want to prevent future train wrecks and heresies and all kind of other things from, from taking place. So again, that's what we're going to go. We're going to go with the word of God is, is the first, is the, is the, the main thing. That's going to be our arbiter. That's going to be our deciding factor. Yeah. <clears throat> Any other thoughts? Yeah, and just practically adding on to that, if you don't know, it's it's okay. Um, when I was introduced to Calvinism as a new believer, I heard, you know, I was meeting kind of a fight club, and the guys talked me through it, and I was like, I, at the time, I was like, I don't think that's right, but I don't quite know why, and so... You know, can you can you give me a few minutes or give me, you know, some time? And I went and I, I wrote out why I disagreed with it and I brought it back to these guys. And they said, great, you know, from Scripture, boom, 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 boom. This is why it's true. And so the elders want to do that. And so it's okay. If you have no idea, but it just sounds kind of like, I don't know if that's true, then sending that email and being like, hey, you know, these things kind of sound inaccurate. Can you help me? see your reasoning yeah so what do you say to the the person that doesn't have the language because i almost seem like you guys are talking like theologian to theologian and a lot of people don't have that understanding of what that looks like but they disagree um so how how would that be approached oh boy well i think that i think kevin's already kind of is he's kind of addressing it i i think that you to the level and to the to the verbiage or the vocabulary that you have you ask it you ask it how it affects you. So in other words, because we do live, you know, admittedly, we do live in a feelings kind of age. So if somebody comes to you, you know, all you know is it doesn't feel right. And yep. you, that's a, that's a start. Tell us about that. Tell us this doesn't feel right. We may ask, well, how, you know, what do you mean by that? What does that, what, what are you feeling? You know, kind of a feel to it. And then kind of work our way through. I think we can help uh, to drill down to what issues are at hand that is making an individual maybe feel, you know, just just struggling. And and we, we want to have those conversations. We mm. we really want to have those conversations, I, w- I would say. We, we welcome the conversation. Uh, and, and, and I think what I'm, what I'm concerned about, as, as I can imagine, because um, I think in, implicit in what you just asked was, was that, well, well, all the elders, they have, they have all this theological knowledge. You know, I, I'm not going to be able, I, I'm too intimidated or I'm, I'm not going to be able to ask the right questions or whatever. I, I think that we would try to help work that out and, and want to hear where you're at and then help you kind of work through the struggles that you, that you are having. Because I don't think that we are saying, as elders, we're saying, you know, we're going to dictate exactly what you need to believe and you just believe it, you know, and I don't care how you feel about it. No, we, we want you to, 
I think God wants us to, as we were talking about law earlier, I think God wants us to love his law. Mm-hmm. And I think that God, you know, as elders, we want uh, uh, the, the the members to really to love the truth of the word of God. And that really, if, if we've, if we've, um, discerned it right, if God's a God of joy and a God of, of blessing, then ultimately, if we're really working down, we will discover, wow, this is a joyful truth that I need to submit myself to. Yeah. And we as elders have to come to that point. We have to submit to God's word, and and God is wants us to do it joyfully. And yeah. so he wants to convince us joyfully, and that's the same way, I think, as elders. We want we want our people to be joyful uh, people who, who love God's word. Yeah, yeah. so, but Okay, <clears throat> but we live in a therapeutic age that, that believes all of our feelings are good, true, and right, mm. okay? And so what you just demonstrated, Kevin, and you're, you, you had this feeling, mm-hmm. okay? Your feelings were wrong, Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, they were. Your feelings were wrong, but you brought them you and you you brought your disagreements and then they unpacked them yeah. and then what happened to your feelings they changed okay so so you were willing to subject your feelings mm-hmm. to to the truth of god's word yeah so i wanted so, to know if i was wrong right so god's word was primary mm-hmm. and your feelings at the least were 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 secondary yeah. or tertiary i wonder how many uh, how many people can actually can actually do that effectively right now? We come we come into a meeting with our feelings, and we are expecting our feelings to be validated. Yeah. Our feelings to be acknowledged and said, okay, those feelings are true, good, you're right. I like what if you went and went to that meeting and those guys would have, oh, your feelings, you feel bad. Oh, the, we, we shouldn't have taught about Calvinism. We shouldn't have said anything about Calvinism. I'm so sorry for saying anything about Calvinism. Yeah. And would have backed away. and Because what ultimately is happening, they would be bowing down to your feelings. Yeah. They don't want to hurt you. Yeah. And your feelings now dictate the way that meeting goes. Yeah, I wouldn't be here. And yeah, and because you know why? But you know what? I think that's not what men do, okay? That's not, right. that's not what men do. Men want the truth. Men yeah. want doctrine. Yeah. Feelings be damned, you know? That, <laughs> we want doctrine. And that's one of the reasons that God calls men to lead the church because he's built us in such a way that truth trumps emotions, yeah. and it's meant to. Emotions are good when used rightly and all these different things, and we don't, you know, we're not trying to be emotionless, but truth has to trump yeah. our emotions. So when a person comes in to meet with an elder or an MC leader or whoever, they've got to be willing to be objective about their feelings. Their their feelings, and this scripture teaches us all over the place, our feelings are not true all the time. They can be wrong. Yeah. Right? And so we want to be convinced by scripture and then go, okay, I'm going to have to get my heart, I'm going to have to get my heart wrapped around this. So, and I think this is, I think this is the number one issue facing the church today. Hmm. Do we really believe the Bible is our only rule of life, faith, and obedience? Hmm. Or, or is, it, is it my feelings? Yeah. Is it what the culture says? Is it a little bit of Bible and a little bit of liberalism and, or a little bit of whatever? 
I think it's, it's coming. Do we trust the Bible? Yeah. Do we trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's, um, that's my concern that, that people would, would not have their emotions submitted yeah. to the word of God. And therefore, if they step into a meeting with an elder and they say, well, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand how you feel, but here's what scripture says. Which part of this do you disagree with? And we walk them through that. Well, I don't really disagree with it. I just, you know, and it's just something they can't name. Mm. Right? It's usually, I just don't like it. Yeah, well, that's our flesh. That's our flesh. I mean, it really it really can be. I don't, I don't like what that, if I believe that, and that's the truth, and that's the law, I don't like what that means for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to require change on my part <laughs> that I'm not quite, requ- and yeah. we're going to have, we have emotion, we're having an emotional reaction. But, that's not to the elders. That's not to the elders' teaching. That's to the scriptures. Yeah. Ultimately, that's to God himself. I might not be able to vocalize that, but that's, mm. if that's what God's requiring, then that's, I'm, I'm reacting to, I'm having a yeah. negative reaction to God himself. And what is that? We call that a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So people think it's not a gospel issue, but it, Everything is a gospel is, issue. Yeah. When we say the gospel changes everything, we mean it. Yeah. We really mean it. Any other thoughts? We close this one up. It's all for me. All right. You got any questions? Email me at Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com or Rob at sacredcitychurch.com. Hopefully this is helpful for you. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.